Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Today, we are celebrating the Feast of St. Matthew, transferred from last Wednesday, the actual feast day for this saint. This gives us an opportunity to look more carefully at one of our four evangelists and then to explore today's passage in that framework. While we ascribe authorship to Matthew, scholars don't really know who the author was. All we can do is deduce things about the writer by what she or he has written. But the emphasis in Matthew is on the words of Jesus that are so very different from the Jewish laws of the day and on how those would be followed by those who would follow him are to think and go about living among others. Because of the focus on the great contrast Jesus provides, we can deduce that the author was probably Jewish and writing to an audience that was both Jewish and Gentile. Chapters 5 through 7 in Matthew, for example, contain the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus speaks in great detail about what discipleship looks like. These chapters include the Beatitudes, describing who is blessed and who is not, and how to pray the Lord's Prayer. So with that as a backdrop, when we hear in today's passage that Jesus simply said to Matthew, whom he saw sitting at the tax booth, follow me, it's probably fair to say that Matthew knew about Jesus' teachings And he was ready to put his current life behind him and go wherever Jesus went. As it turns out, we don't know much more about Matthew after this point. But again, we can glean from the few facts we are given. As a Jew and as a tax collector, taking money from Jewish people, wishing to trade with other Jews, Matthew would have been despised since some of what he collected went to the occupying Roman rulers. So we see that Jesus has asked one of the despised to come along with him. Immediately we hear from the Pharisees the objections to associating with such people. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Because to the Pharisees, association with sinners, whom they judged Matthew to be, meant one would also become a sinner. Thus, they were puzzled by Jesus' choice of companions. But Jesus replies, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Jesus tells those who would hold themselves up as righteous to go learn what it means to desire mercy and not sacrifice. 
Jesus' words, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, are actually a quote from the Old Testament prophet Hosea. It's unusual for Jesus to quote from Hebrew scripture. All that does, it tells us that such a quote serves to magnify the importance of these words. So what is mercy? The Greek word used in Matthew is elios. We get eleomasonary from this word. That is something that has to do with being charitable. And more broadly in this passage, think of mercy, compassion, pity, or clemency as having to do with kindness or concern expressed for someone in need. Well, how many places today can we look in our world and have the same desire as Jesus for mercy rather than sacrifice? Wherever division occurs, we can hear Jesus' words. In recent days, for example, there have been shooting deaths of black men in Tulsa and Charlotte at the hands of police, leading to widespread civil unrest and the driving, perhaps, of even greater divisions along racial lines. There seems to be no mercy anywhere, just more sacrifice. The problem seems to be intractable, and the risk is that we either add to the division by taking sides or throw up our hands in the air and do nothing. But that's not what Jesus wants. Even if we cannot directly affect what is happening elsewhere, each day, each one of us has the opportunity to extend mercy toward another human being. The action and the experience can be transformational for the one making the offer and for the one receiving it. We don't have to perpetuate division and discord We can do better than that. Perhaps one of the finest speeches in all of Shakespeare is given, ironically, in this day and age by a cross-dressed Portia. Disguised as a young lawyer, Balthazar, in The Merchant of Venice, she, he, is begging Shylock for mercy. I won't read the whole speech, But it's Act 4, Scene 1, if you would like to. It begins like this. The quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed. It blesseth him that gives and him that takes. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. It becomes the throned monarch better than his crown. His scepter shows the force of temporal power, the attribute to awe and majesty. Wherein doth sit the dread and fear of kings, but mercy is above this sceptered way. It is enthroned in the hearts of kings. It is an attribute of God himself. An earthly power doth then show likest God when mercy seasons justice. In more modern times, there is a movie that also does a good job depicting mercy. 
It's more than 20 years old by now, so I don't think I have to provide any spoiler alerts as I talk about it. The movie is The Shawshank Redemption. You may recall the performance by Morgan Freeman, who goes by the nickname Red. He's in prison, serving a life sentence. In his first hearing before the parole board, it is revealed that he is at year 20 of his life sentence, and he is asked if he has been rehabilitated. He smiles and nods his head at the parole board and says, I've learned my lesson. I'm a changed man, no longer a threat to society, and that's God's honest truth. His request for parole is denied. In his second appearance before the parole board, when he has served 30 years of his life sentence, he is again asked if he has been rehabilitated. His reply is like the one he gave 10 years earlier. Again, his request is denied. When he appears the third time after having served 40 years, he is no longer smiling and being polite toward the parole board. He demonstrates contempt for them, the meaningless questions they ask him, and the work they get paid to do. When they ask him if he thinks he has been rehabilitated, he says, Rehabilitated? That's a made-up word. What do you really want to know? Not a day goes by I don't feel regret. The way I was, a young, stupid kid that committed that terrible crime... I want to talk to him and tell him how things are, but I can't. He's long gone. This old man is all that's left. I have to live with that. Stop wasting my time. I don't care anymore. His language was a little saltier than that, but you get the point. And with that exchange, the parole board grants him his request. He is free to leave the prison. Red has finally dropped the facade he may have maintained. He is no longer trying to tell the parole board what he thinks they want to hear. He speaks from his heart and tells what is true for him. And because of this, the parole board recognized that he was indeed a changed man. They acted mercifully toward him in the granting of clemency. The mercy that Jesus desires over sacrifice doesn't always come from the outside in toward us. Sometimes it's an inside job and doesn't necessarily get recognized, much less acknowledged by others. It took Red 40 years to find his true voice and to speak what was true for him. Some of us may have regrets like Red did, but aren't appearing before any board that is going to grant us a new freedom and a new happiness. We need to speak the truth for ourselves. Or perhaps we cannot find the words, as Red couldn't for so long. How many of us have allowed the years to pass us by, not realizing how we have permitted our lives to be circumscribed unnecessarily, This can happen when we sit in judgment of others, thereby unwittingly work on maintaining divisions. 
When we do this, we have not embraced the mercy God desires all of us to have. Instead, we live lives of sacrifice, lives that are diminished by divisions and separations we maintain. I believe the way out of this is through prayer and action, as I mentioned earlier. So along with celebrating St. Matthew today and the words he spoke, I ask, where will we experience mercy in our lives this week? I challenge each of us to pray for the awareness of mercy in our lives, not only opportunities for extending mercy to others, but also the awareness of when others are behaving mercifully in a way toward us. Give thanks to God at each of these occurrences. There will be much rejoicing in heaven for this and for the new life more closely lived in Christ Jesus. And now our celebration this morning of new life continues in a few minutes when we welcome two new Christians to our community as we baptize six-month-old Cassidy Jamison Jones and one-year-old Braden Arthur Montanez. We purposely perform the sacrament of baptism in the body of Christ with the entire congregation present because we all take responsibility when we affirm that we will all do in our power everything to support the newly baptized in their life in Christ.